Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining me from Orlando, Florida, at the G League Showcase, Tim Bontemps. Sitting in the uh, made-up cafeteria here in the truly ginormous Orlando Convention Center. It's the biggest building I think anybody here has ever been in. Way too big for this event. Bigger than that convention center in Vegas we were next to two weeks ago because that was gigantic there. It's bigger than that. It's like two of those. Did do you have fond, warm feelings of the last time you spent a long stretch in Orlando during 2020? No, no. I would have been happy <laughs> way, to never come back. And now I'm here twice and I'm back to back weeks. I'll be here. So here we are. By the way, I I didn't know this and I may be just way behind on this, but the winners of the G League showcase, the player, mm -hmm. each player gets 10 grand. Now, I realize that that's not comparable to the fifth, the 500 grand that the NBA guys got for winning the in-season tournament, but the average salary in the G League is around $40,000. That's real money. And I, I, I don't real think money. there's a second place. I, I could be wrong. I don't think there's a second place prize pool. So. I just watched Jordan Bell block three shots in about five seconds in a game earlier today. I think he was interested in trying to get that money. <laughs> I think he's probably interested in trying to get an NBA contract. Well, that, I did that not, too. I did not predict Jordan Bell be mentioned on this podcast. Joining us from the FedEx Forum in Memphis is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. There's a little parade planned outside the arena here about a, an hour and a half. It's nice of them to throw a parade for me covering my first game in the building this year. I really appreciate that. Is there sure actually a parade today? Uh, I mean, it's about a half block, but there is a parade. And right. uh, clearly for John Morant's home debut, delayed home debut. And this was mentioned to him. The parade was playing, and he said they've got one job, one song they got to play. It's a parade inside my city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, what's that song that they? Uh... It's, I think the song's actually called "Fresh Prince of Utah." But Jaws' line that he, the lyric he always says is, "It's a parade inside my city." What? What? Why I'm having a senior moment here. The song that they always play that whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Will, they, will that be played as well? I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm afraid some people might think I'm that trick. So. <laughs> I feel you. All right. So Jaws first home game on Thursday night against the Pacers. Uh, McMahon was at Jaws uh, comeback, jaw dropping finish in Ooh. New Orleans the other night. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but it's that time of year. Ooh, the first bond temps poll. That's what I call it. I call it the bond temps poll. It's the BS poll. The bond temps straw McMahon, poll. McMahon's Dude, line is the, the man's line is the better. Right. One. The Bontemps straw poll came out uh, surveying the MVP voters for the first time this year. The floor is yours, Mr. Bontemps. What do we have? Well, we have, shockingly, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic first and second again. And my, oh, my biggest God. takeaway from this thing was, Thank frankly, God Embiid I, hasn't missed three games with a sprained ankle. Thank oh, God. here we go, jackass. <laughs> I, I was genuinely fascinated to see what this poll would look like coming into the voting, did the voting from Sunday to Tuesday. I really didn't know how it was going to go. I thought it was wide open, but... I did not really know how this is going to shake out. And frankly, I was a little surprised that it shook out with Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic so far ahead of everyone else, because that's not really typically how this thing has played out. And I thought there was some chance after those guys are first and second past three years that there could be some voter fatigue. And I actually, frankly, thought LeBron James would get a lot of votes, given what he did with the Lakers winning the season tournament. He's been awesome. He's been healthy. Like I thought he'd get a ton of votes. He barely got any, as we'll talk about in a bit. But no, he got he got turns a whole out bunch that, of votes for the in season tournament. This is for the whole well, shebang, though. That yes, that is true. Um, but it turned out that, and in particular with the way Joel Embiid is playing completely out of his mind right now, 
He sits in first with a healthy lead over Nikola Jokic. And, you know, after the last couple of years where the guy who was in first faded down the stretch from LeBron the three years ago, Steph Curry two years ago to Tatum last year, I feel pretty confident that bar an injury, we're going to be talking about once again, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic for the fourth straight year coming down to the line to see which of them wins MVP again. I will say this, though. Um, so, by the way, uh, Embiid had 63 of the 100 first place votes. Is that what I Correct. Saw? And Jokic had 21. So, well, um, and I did uh, I did text Bond Temps last night, uh, <laughs> so it would be Wednesday night, asking if it was too late to change my vote. I'd uh, let John Morant's crazy comeback uh, performance simmer for a little bit. And I wanted to go with John Morant. No, I'm just kidding. As amazing <laughs> as that, as amazing as that return was, I'm watching Embiid put 51 efficiently, and honestly, a lot of times made it look easy. 51 points. Well, here's the um, crazy thing about that game. He 17 for 25. I haven't, I haven't said which game it was. Well, you're saying he was efficient. I just because I just wanted to point out he's 17 for 25 in the game. He started out one for 17 for 18 on his last 18 shots against the defensive player of the year front runner, a three time defensive player of the year who Rudy Gobert got in foul trouble and that that helped, but still against the number one defense by a significant margin in the NBA. And dude, Embiid right now. When he catches the ball f- above the free throw line, turns around, faces up, it's a layup. Like his efficiency on those face up, contested, get just enough space mid range jump shots is insane. And, and averaging a career high insist, like if you throw a second body at him, he'll pick that apart. He can put it on the floor like this guy. What's the stat that you sent us today, Wendy? You sent us uh, some kind of stat that had one of my favorite old timers in there. Oh, Bob Pettit. Bob Pettit stat. Yes. 50 in 10 games. Joel Embiid now has seven. That pass passes Bob 50 Pettit. 50 points, 10 rebounds, just to be clear. Yeah, 50 yes. points, 10 rebound games. He has seven. That passes Bob Pettit on the all time list. And we all know Bob Pettit was playing against plumbers. Friggin' Embiid. <laughs> electricians. Don't forget about the electricians and carpenters. <laughs> Do they have electricity back then? I'm not sure. I don't know. Have to check. <laughs> and, and he he wouldn't Bob deal Pettit with Rudy Gobert. It's uncalled for. He wouldn't deal with Rudy Gobert. I mean, but, but seriously, Embiid, we've said it before, and I did have Joker. I would change that now, so it'd be 64 first-place votes. Wow, that's a fast change. I mean, geez, it was two days ago. First of all, I voted Sunday. Okay. Okay. Unlike Brian, because I don't drag my feet on these things. That's I try right. To let Bontemps get on about it. And thankfully, I, I, McMahon sends his ballot right away every time, and I have to beg Brian every time to send me it. I'm thoughtful. Also, Thank you, McMahon. My, 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 you're not thoughtful. I wanted you to make sure nobody sprained their it. ankle. I've got to whine about now. having to do it. That's what my, you do. My, mine's a doesn't help with the accuracy of the BS poll because I don't have the the official vote anyways. You but, do what it's well, yeah. Hopefully we'll change that this year. I don't need I don't need that kind of heat. Um, but dude, Embiid's had a pretty good run since then. And like I said, I'm what and I was 51-49. I kind of went with hey, Embiid won it last year. Joker's finals MVP. Joker's to me still deserves the title of his best player in the game coming off that championship run. So that was kind of the tiebreaker. But again, I'm watching this guy go for 51 and 12 against the best defense in the league and saying I can't say somebody else is the MVP of the league right now. So, yeah, the 63 votes. Now, Bontemps, I think you've told this story before, but I, w- I would ask you to tell it again about last year when the first straw poll came out. I believe you were in Philly within a day or two of it coming out. 
That was there the day it came out, and Joel had either one vote or no votes. I don't remember. And he was very annoyed and thought the race was over. And I told him, well, just keep dominating and winning games, and you'll be fine. Because Joel had missed a good chunk of the beginning of last season, so he hadn't played that many games. So he he just didn't get a lot of votes. (laughs) But, you know, the rest of the year went, as we know, and he... He uh, he came away with the the MVP trophy. Speaking of stories, when I sat down with him last week, before we got started, I gave him a hard time because he didn't dress up too much for our interview. And I told him how when he won MVP last year, Brian was flabbergasted when Embiid walked in in practice gear. It's going, <laughs> this is a this is going to be an all time moment. These pictures are going to be posted up forever, and he's showing up in practice gear. What is he doing? I told, I said to Joel, I said, I told you at the time, this guy, this is what this guy does. He shows up in practice gear wherever he goes. He has no interest in being dressed up. And you just laugh. Yeah, that's right. When MVP announcements normally happen, they create memes, right? And all of everyone's family is there. But last year it was literally done on a game day after a shoot around in Boston. So whatever. I was like, yeah, Joel's going to want to change his clothes after, after shoot around. But Bontem is like, he is not. Dude, you did not. One of my great goals in life is to never have to wear anything that has buttons on it. And <laughs> if I could do nothing, wear nothing but like t-shirts, hoop shorts, and sweats, that would be awesome. And it would be even better if I didn't have to pay a dime for any of it. So yeah. I respect his commitment to comfort. He's working on Man. getting it for free. Very hard though. By the way, we're wow. all in suits right now. This is, this well, is the first in a long it's a rare time. moment. Hey, this is like moment. when I got shipped off to boarding school, not a voluntary assignment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, uh, just, and look, just, the other, just stay I, off the band list there. Uh, McMahon. It, it's <laughs> worth pointing out for as well as, as Embiid is playing. And it's something we talked about in my conversation with him last week. He clearly has a pretty healthy chip on his shoulder about the way the Sixers and he were sort of dismissed in the wake of the James Harden stuff, people saying, well, they're not going to be that good. They're not really going to matter. This is a gap year, right? All that stuff. It clearly, Oh, we're lining up waiting for him to hit the trade market. Yes. And it, it, all of that clearly sat on his mind and he has come out this year with an obvious point to prove all the way along. And Mm -hmm. the thing he has talked to me about for a very long time is that the benchmarks for him for all time greatness are, winning MVPs and winning titles and winning them both, not just having one or the other. And I asked him why that was the case. And he was like, look, if you are going to be an all-time great player, you have to have something to show for it. Mm-hmm. And he made the point of bringing up Robert Ory, who won, I think, seven titles with the Lakers and Spurs and Rockets. Um, but he goes, is Robert Ory a top 50 all-time player? I said, no, probably not. And he not said, well, that's not. well, I was, you know, I just yeah. was He's playing no along Pettit. with him. He is no Bob Pettit. But I, you know, I pointed out like, look, this is, or he said, this is what I need to do. I need to get more MVPs. I need to get more titles. That's, that's the, the kind of war title thing he is. Th- well, he needs to win titles, but that's, that's where his head is at. He, what, that's what he's trying to accomplish. And he's out, you know, look at the way he's playing. It set the Sixers up. Like we've talked, we talked about on the last pod. They've got a lot with him and Tyrese Maxey, a lot of outs this year in the trade market to get better think they're going to be very aggressive trying to get better because they know what they have. And Embiid is just playing at an unbelievable level every night. Mm-hmm. The only thing you could really criticize about this recent run is that he didn't play against any great teams. And what does he do? He goes out against the Oof. best defense in the league and the guy who's been the best defensive player in the league probably other than him this year yeah. in Rudy Gobert and other gets two fouls on Rudy Gobert and Carl Towns and Nas Reed in the first quarter of the game and just blitzes them all night long. 
in a truly yeah, and, dominant and they, performance from start to and, finish. And they convincingly beat. I know people don't put the Timberwolves in the same kind of conversation as the top shelf contenders, but he, they convincingly beat the team that's sitting number one in the Western Conference standings. That was yeah. a, a, a just unbelievably impressive performance by Embiid and by the Sixers as a whole. And they didn't have Nick Batum who's been a really key piece for them. And Anthony Melton got hurt in the middle of the game and missed the game. Like, that was a really, really, really good win for them last night. Two two things I want to uh, point out. One, there's a little bit of history that happened in this game that our uh, stats and information people looked up. One, Embiid is the first player to score 50 and have 10 rebounds against the number one defense in the last 60 years. Wow. Um, the other two were Jordan in 87 and, you know, that's pre Scotty Pippen. So that's prime Chucker Jordan. Right. Um, uh, and Mm -hmm. 2006 Kobe Bryant, which was post Shaq. I think that was the year Kobe averaged 35, which in today's day and age would be like 44, (laughs) um, where he was just, you know, ripping smish park smush parker at six o'clock and scoring 50 at eight o'clock and so that's the kind of level that mb did that kind of performance prime not necessarily prime jordan prime kobe but prime scoring jordan and kobe that's what he did and jordan and kobe didn't have tyrese maxi on their roster in fact one Mm -hmm. of the interesting things about this sixers team and this is a little bit of a skewed point because they've had so many fourth quarters where it doesn't matter Embiid tends to dominate the first and third quarters offensively, at least scoring. And then Maxi tends to dominate the second and fourth quarters. And that's what happened last night. Maxi had a big fourth quarter. And there's a reason for that. They Embiid plays the entire first and third quarter and Maxi plays the entire second and fourth quarter. Right. I mean, of course, there's minutes regardless. Minutes yeah. have a role there. Oh, but, but I just mean that's the way their natural rotation goes. That's all. Right. And so that is a beautiful symbio- symbiosis. That you know, you know, you worry about star players getting to play together, and obviously, you want to have a small enough. What are you talking about? I'm laughing. I was laughing at the kid's face because when you said symbiosis, I could tell he was trying to figure out what the <laughs> hell symbiosis means. <laughs> I got an I, I got the symbi part. I don't know where the osis comes in. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here's they the fit other, well together, man. Just like us. Here's the other stat: Embiid made 11 mid-range jumpers against the Wolves. Now. That's the shot you want him to take. Oh, yeah, but they're like layups for him. I like know. And, it's a, and, and, and these are with Gobert's hand I in his know. face a lot of times. What Every time Joel Embiid shoots a free throw line jumper, I'm stunned when it hits anything but the bottom of the net. Well, the Dude, thing they, is, it's just automatic. He shoots them from the free throw line because that's the hardest place to double him. Yeah. Because if you bring help, it's just him. He's just picking you off. It's not even hard. He just. It's it's a math problem. Well, and he likes to roll to that spot too. He like he'll set the screen. Oh yeah. And Tyrese and same thing with James Harden last year. That was I mean it's how James Harden led the league in assists. Hit that pocket pass. Joel would That's, do this little short roll the to the Dirk elbow. Nowitzki and just, career. That was oh, yeah. Dirk Nowitzki's career. No, the, uh, the, that nail where Dirk would set up and it's the same. It's like he's not a guy who's going to take a bunch of dribbles. But boy, if he if if he needs to put it on the floor one time, make a little spin move and finish and and. Embiid, like Dirk would get to his little one-legger, Embiid's just so strong. He just bullies people. But no, he just wants to get a little bit of space. He's seven foot two. Even Gobert, he can shoot right over unless you absolutely crowd him. Then when you crowd him, that's when he can put it on the floor and make his move. Yeah, that's right. You double you him, take, he's picking uh, you apart. You take a step too close, 
he puts his he puts it on the floor and he's on the line. He was oh yeah, yeah that's editing. He lives at the line. He was eight of nine against Gobert yesterday, according to our stats and info, folks. Eight of nine yeah, against after the, the game, Gobert just had player. to come over and and dap him up and be like, "Well hey, done, sir. <laughs> well done." A couple other stats that uh, I found interesting from our uh, from Stats Williams or in our Stats and Info group. Both of these were Embiid, Wilt, and Kareem stats. Last eight games, 41.4 points per game on 61% field goal shooting. Guys who averaged 40 points on 60% shooting over an eight-game span, 63 Wilt, 72 Kareem. And then seventh career game with 50 points, 10 rebounds, and 60-plus percent shooting. That ties Kareem for the second most all-time. I said seven. Uh, Wilt leads. You guys want to guess how many Wilt had? 50. Well, he averaged 50 and 21 year. So yeah. I would say more a, than so that. It's a, it's a 60% shooting that uh, that's oh, a little. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm still going to yeah. say 50. Thir- 37. That's one of those Wilt stats. Like, you know. But, I mean, when you're, in, when you're well, putting The most unbreakable numbers, Chamberlain record, I know what it is. You guys, do you guys know what I think the most minutes per game? That's right. 48 and a half yeah. minutes a game. The year I, I, scored, like, I like the hundred points, points. I like the hundred points chance of standing too. I like the 50 points in, per game in a season. I well, can by see the way, somebody if, if, getting a hundred points. I, I can't see anybody averaging 48 and a half minutes because that's what he did. Well, or averaging 50 points. By the way, the only time in the history of the league, a guy has averaged more points and uh, minutes played in a season was the year when Wilt played more than the 48 minutes a game and average more than 50 points a game. And Joel is creeping up on being the longest into a season. Mm-hmm. Anybody's done that since then. James Harden and Giannis have both done it a little bit longer, but I mean, it's just, I mean, we've, we spent 10 minutes rattling off Joel stats and it doesn't really, it, insane, it only huh? tells part of the story of how good he's All been. Right. So we, we talked, we talked about how dominant Jokic has been. Um, he will have an opportunity to close the gap. They're going to well, play it's also other. worth pointing out from a timing standpoint, Jokic, we talked about how that Jokic had that rough stretch of play right before this, right? Right. He has those games where he uncharacteristically missed a ton of shots. Nuggets dropped a couple games. Then Embiid comes back and has this 10-game stretch where he's just going crazy. Like, a lot of this is, you know, I'll be the first to say, a lot of these, especially the first couple, depends on when in the calendar it falls and how people are playing. But that those two are at the top of the heap, and it's not really a surprise. Okay, so third place. Got Giannis Tenekupo, Che Gilles Alexander then in fourth, and Luka Doncic in fifth, all bunched up within 45 points. Those five guys would be, if they finish in the top five together, would be the first time there's five foreign-born players in the top five in MVP. Well, we got an American. And I'm proud to be an American, says Joel Embiid. Thank you, Uncle oh, Sam. Oh, that's right. Team USA, baby. USA. That's why I said foreign-born. USA. Foreign-born. <laughs> Thankfully for Team USA, Embiid will be playing center in the Olympics, uh, at least as of now. I shouldn't say it that way. He's playing in the Olympics. He's committed to play. He's healthy. If he's healthy is what I meant. But yeah, Luca, Luca have 306 be, points in fifth. From a, he'll be tired from my uh, two-round playoff run. <laughs> <laughs> Luca with 306 points in fifth was the most fifth points anybody in fifth ever had. Those five guys clearly separated themselves from the field. I also, again, thought there'd be more spread out voting across the board, but with the way Giannis... Shea and Luca have played the fact that the Thunder and Mavs have, you know, really had surprising seasons to different degrees with the way their teams have played. Giannis obviously just had 64 points last week and has remained awesome for Milwaukee. You know, those guys have sort of created a second tier behind the top two guys by themselves. 
More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Okay, so who is some of the guy? I don't know what, what there is to say. Like, I think all of them are having great seasons. I think the big thing is all of them are on teams that are excelling. And, you know, some of the guys who are not in that top five are on teams that maybe haven't played as consistently as the Thunder or the or the Bucks. Uh, uh, hold on. Can I just point something out real quick on Giannis? Sure. For all the problems the Bucks have had and that we've talked about, Mm-hmm. Uh, they are tied for the second most wins in the league. They are one game back of the Boston Celtics. If the Bucks indeed win the Eastern Conference and Giannis continues putting up the numbers that he has, I do think that there's a distinct possibility that uh, you well, know he could he could get in the can, mix. I I voted for Giannis last year for to win the MVP, and um, I know you guys all think all I ever do is. Cape for Embiid, but I did vote for Giannis for MVP last year. And one of the reasons I did is because I felt his two-way play was absolutely sensational for a team to win 60 games. Yeah. So, but I think Giannis is in the same trap that Jokic kind of was in, which is that, you know, after the disappointment of the way they finished last year, the standard for him is even higher. Whether that's fair or not, that was the thing well, with you know, Jokic you know, had gone out in the playoffs maybe before, you know, there's a feel the MVP should. And so the barrier for him to win that MVP, that third MVP last year was really high. And I think I'll say this, Giannis will be really high. Okay. But Joker does not at the time, he did not have a finals run, much less a a, a championship. Giannis has a finals MVP. He has a 50.15 rebound closeout performance in the finals. If yeah. anything, that if if we're talking about that standard, it should be. I just joked about Embiid being a two round playoff guy. If anything, it should be attached to uh, Embiid. But the way Embiid, yeah, but it seems he, the way the voting has gone over the last fifteen or twenty years, it seems like after it's after that second MVP, where the expectations get severe, and yeah. that's yeah. talking about historic company. Yeah. Well, and it's also it's also if you look at it right. This is also, as we've talked about, a narrative award. And the narrative has been the Sixers have greatly overachieved because of how Joel Embiid has played. And while the Bucs have won a lot of games, and I obviously Giannis has been incredible, what has been the narrative around the Bucs? That everything's a mess, right? Yeah. That's been the story of their season. So well, that won't be the narrative if we look up at the end of the year and they're 61 and 21. No, I agree with <laughs> you. you. That's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they because they've had a pretty soft schedule and there's been all this stuff around them. They haven't had a lot of signature games for him to for Giannis to go out there and win. But I agree also, with you. They win the East. They've been more focused on you know Dame. Dame steals the headlines a lot, even on graves where Giannis plays great. The focus right. has been on Dame. Well, yeah, because he does they, stuff like when Giannis scores sixty four, Dame passes Kyle Korver on the all time three pointers <laughs> list. He just steals to get him all the, the headlines. And by the, the way, ball. I saw uh, what what record did y- did Dame do the other day? Top twenty in scoring? Or no, he top- passed twenty. He got twenty thousand points. He got twenty thousand points for his points. career. Uh, the ball, the game ball, was successfully secured by the Bucks staff. Hey, uh, you saw when Brunson had fifty, boy. Julius Randall ran. Julius Randall, like it was a rebound. That ball up like Simba was pretty. (laughs) It was pretty. It was pretty great. But but yeah, I think I think McMahon is totally right. If if the Bucks finish first in the East and Giannis continues to dominate, like there's no question, 
he could get back in the mix for this thing as this goes along. Do we think SGA has a chance to get in the mix? Say, I, I say, do. Say okay. If they win the West, seed. Absolutely. I yeah. like. I think that. I think he. I think it will be tough for Luca because I just don't think the Mavs are going to have the the team success. Well, the like Mavs, obviously, if they somehow finish second in the West or something, then sure. But I just don't see that being realistic. Luca's been incredible, keeping their heads above water lately with Kyrie out. Um, he's been playing 43, 44 minutes on a regular basis. Last night was the first time in a long time he hadn't had thirty. Uh, they took a rebound from him post game, so he didn't get a triple double last night. Um, I think he only had two baskets in the second half of that game. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, he has gotten himself in in significantly better shape. That was he against did, the Clippers, by the way. We yeah, he deserves that. credit for that for that for committing to that. That has certainly helped, but like they need Kyrie back, and honestly, they need Derek Lively back. And there's not like a definite timetable on either of that lively's a sprained ankle Kyrie's a heel contusion hopefully sooner than later on both of them what he's done without Kyrie I think temporarily boosts his case but yeah they're they're gonna have to finish at least top four in the west for him to have any real hope okay yeah, a couple, that just doesn't seem likely a couple of guys who are not in the top five who um are you would think would be contenders uh bond temps who was also receiving votes yeah, so we'll run through the other seven guys quick. Jason Tatum finished sixth. Obviously, the Celtics have been the best team in the league so far, but you know Tatum has not had quite the same year as he's also other guys. playing on a team that's loaded. <laughs> well, yes, it, right. Everybody's stats are a little bit down across the board, and also, like, let's be honest, Jason Tatum's a really great player. He's just not on the same level as guys like Embiid yep. and Jokic well, and Giannis. I believe that he can be. Uh, I think Tatum can accomplish everything. I think Tatum I think he's a perennial MVP. second team All NBA candidate. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's a six to ten guy in the league, which is with the positionalist balloting. That's I understand you know, that's right where you're talking you, about. I understand why you say that. I believe he has it within him to win MVPs and finals MVPs. I think he's got that kind of talent. Well, I mean finals MVPs, I agree. I yeah. I, I you know, I, I think he is a cut below the top five guys. I understand why you say that. I think there's more All right, we don't need to, to we don't need to belabor this point. Points made. Uh, but I think it's probably okay, going to be tough golly. for him. Yeah, you know, the guy goes ESPN plus with a BS poll. He thinks he's running stuff, Wendy. <laughs> I Jeez. Just, I, there's just more interesting people to get to later. Tyrus Halliburton was seventh. I don't expect him to stay in seventh. Indiana's probably going to be fighting for a playing spot. He gets yeah. a, he gets along. an IST bounce, but LeBron doesn't. How about well, that? that? We'll, well get into that in a second. The IST was kind of Tyrese Halliburton's introduction to the you know, yes. not to hoop nerds, but to the greater. Well, I hope the people voting for MVP had heard of Tyrese Halliburton. Brother, yes, but if, it... you, if you think if you think there's a lot of knowledge on this, I would suggest you review some all defensive ballots on a, on a <laughs> year-to-year basis. Oh, all right. so Halliburton getting a bit of a bounce was not shocking. I do think he'll come down in the race as the year goes along. Anthony Edwards finishes tied for eighth. I do think that if Minnesota continues to stay atop the Western Conference standings, I think the Ant-Man can move up this ladder a little bit. I don't think he's a real threat to win the award, but yeah. you know, Minnesota, as, as we talked about on Sunday, you know, Brian, you were still kind of a skeptic about their chances of being a championship caliber team. I wouldn't say I'm still, a skeptic. I'm just saying I'm still on the sideline. I, I just want to see, well, I want I would, to see him go through would, the stretch. I would say that's being a skeptic. If you well, skeptic would mean, I don't think they can do it. I don't think, you know, Jason Tatum can win. Okay. Uh, how, how the hell is uh, Wendy? No, he doesn't. <laughs> hey, his league pass doesn't count. That's right. He can't watch. He can't watch. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I text Bontemps the other day. I go, what's this team with this logo of the, yeah, of the wolf, wolf howling logo. at the moon? Yeah. I, I've never yeah. seen that. We were on ESPN. What, yeah. Oh, by the way, I think they're on TNT tonight. Oh, I'm, but I'm in LA, so I'm clear. When I'm in LA, yeah. I can see. Ooh, look I, out. LA, you get it all, baby. Hey, by look the way, that out. does remind me, speaking of voters, I yes. think there should be a mandatory league pass hours minimum for people to be able to vote on this stuff at the end of the year. The league's got to figure out a way to, to check that. I, I mean, I don't know what the number is, what, 250 hours or something? If you haven't watched that much basketball, you shouldn't it's be a able lot to. Of, okay. 250. For a whole season? Well, I guess. Yeah, and I guess that's true. I guess that's. Sounds like a lot of hours. There's what, like, how many months? I, I watch a lot of fourth quarters. I, games I, I, are games are games are two hours long. That's watching 120 games on uh, League Pass. Yeah, but I've right, never 100, watched 100 hours game. minimum. Give me a break. Like, no, I'm okay, saying people hours, are also yeah. going to games and working. So yeah, you know, that's all right, all. 100 hours minimum. That's my suggestion. All right, uh, I watch the fourth ask quarters. the IT department to, to track your hours. You can see how many hours you finish with at the end. Of the oh, day. she's she's over 250 a year. I didn't say her hours. I said your hours. Oh, I know what her well hours 250, are. 250 guarantee you. Tied for tied for eighth with Anthony Edwards uh, it was Kevin Durant. I was honestly a little surprised Durant got this many votes because of where the Suns were at. His numbers are obviously off the charts, and he was really propping them up during that stretch with Devin Booker missing a bunch of time. Obviously, Bradley Beals hardly played. And then LeBron James was in 10th. I was frankly stunned. LeBron did get more votes than this. He's been awesome. He just won the in-season tournament. Talked about earlier. I thought there'd be some sympathy votes for him. Wait, as... did Mac-10 get a vote? <laughs> Mac-10 get a, did get a vote. Where was LeBron on his ballot? I will not reveal where he was. By, but that's by, bull. Uh, that's bull. I don't think he was one of the if McMenamin I don't think he was one of the LeBron voters. If McMenamin I don't think he's one of the LeBron voters, but I also don't remember. If he wants to reveal his reveal his ballot, he will have the form oh, to do so. First time in your life you guys are good teammates. The the the, <laughs> the, the, the jackass wow. brothers suddenly want to <laughs> uh be all sweet and, and friendly to their teammates. <laughs> well, the point is I just thought LeBron was gonna get a bunch of votes. And I was really surprised he hardly got any. And to me, I just I don't think he has any chance to win an MVP this year based off this and probably have to say he's never going to win one again because this is probably the last best chance he's got with the way he's playing, the fact he's been healthy all year. And well, just to be clear, it, he hasn't won an MVP in over a decade. So it's not I know, like that's but a I, stunning. But I thought he's he's come close a couple of times. He was fourth, I think. Or he, was, he was up near the top of the leaderboard a couple of years ago before he got hurt late in the year when they were up at the top of the Western Conference standings. And I thought, he was going to be a lot higher up the list than this. So I, I just, I was surprised he hardly got any votes. Man, only, only four MVPs in his career. Jeez. Well, he's got a ton of top threes. And who's got more than four? Who's got more than four? Kobe has, Kobe has, no, not Kobe. Oh, Kobe has uh, Kareem, I was, I know, I, was, I misspoke. Kareem has six, six, and Jordan has five. I think that's right. All right. Not um, bad company. I think, uh, I think, Magic has four. Bill Russell has four. Maybe Magic has three. Yeah, um, I, I will say that. Um, I'm looking this up quick because I can't remember it. I believe Kareem has Le six. Bill Russell and Magic and Michael have five. Wilt and LeBron have four. Moses, Larry, and Magic have three. Then a bunch have two. So let me just say that in retrospect, the 2017-18 regular season, I believe, was the one where LeBron didn't win where he maybe should have. And... There's a bunch of others where he feels like he should have won. But 
He absolutely should not have won MVP that year. That was the year he quit on his team for a month, so they would. Make I know, a trade. and that's why I didn't vote. For, I don't <laughs> think it was a whole month, but that's why I didn't vote for him. But it was the pretty much the entire month of January. He took he made sure that things were miserable there, so they would get rid of Isaiah Thomas, which is why I didn't vote for him. But which certain people later used as an argument in saying why he should win MVP, which was insane at the time and remains insane. Who, who used that as an argument? Uh, somebody that was mentioned earlier. Let's, let's forget about that. Let's forget about the, Bob Pettit. Let's forget about that. Um, I'm just saying in retrospect, that was an MVP season. That's what I I'm mean. Saying. He's had like 15. Yeah, MVP I mean, you could say that about a lot of seasons. I know, but that one particularly, that's all. Uh, Why? Okay. Why that one particularly? Why? Well, Cause he I'm, played all the games. I, I, I don't have, well that he did that. Yes. But that was because his, of how he played his, in the playoffs. Like why that season? Well, his, his, it was arguably his greatest playoff run ever. Yes. Yeah. yeah and he got a, okay. But that's be. not, it's a, not a no, playoff was, award. They lost that. They got oh, that's there. right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I'm not going to go into it right now, but I'm just saying that when you, when you when you look at LeBron, he, he has, he has a bunch of top threes. He probably should have more than four, but the year that I think he really deserved it, in retrospect, I didn't believe at the time, and I didn't vote for him first. Was 2017, 18, his last year in Cleveland. Right. Just, Who just else? Like you to hear an argument as to why he should have won it beyond right. he was good Stop. in the playoffs. All right, Stop well, I'll, I'll, Wendy. I'll read it in the chapter of my next book. Oh, in oh, your oh, face, this guy. His next look at this guy. New York Times um, bestseller, baby. That's right. That's right. Uh, then the final two people to get votes after yeah. LeBron were De'Aaron Fox, who got a, a couple of votes, and Rudy Gobert, who got one fifth place vote, leading. Minnesota, the best from McMahon uh, defense in the league. <laughs> it was not not me. from McMahon. My top five was the top five in the thing. Me I too. think in a little bit in a little bit different order, but that was. Uh, I think I had Luca fifth, just because the I think they're their team sort of. I sort of had them fifth. I mean, look, those five guys. Nobody else was on more than fifteen ballots, so those five yeah. guys yeah. dominated the voting. And I needed to wait an extra two days, McMahon, to come up with those five. Well, um, yeah, really had to think hard. Um, the sure one did. guy, there's one guy who's not on here. That's really interesting. And in years past, there's been a very clear reason not to have Kawhi Leonard on an MVP ballot because he didn't play a lot of games. So the, MB, the all-star voting started this week mm -hmm. and, uh, for NBA today, we were asked to pick our West all-stars and, uh, I have Kawhi on, on the starting five in my West all-stars. Yeah. He so, should be a lock right now. He's been yeah. unbelievable. I was the only one. Really? Zach Lowe That's and all these jokers had uh, had Durant. Not that there's anything wrong with Durant, but I um I I, I think Kawhi's been. Yeah, I think the Kawhi third spot played, is between Durant and LeBron, and Kawhi and has played Jokic every. Gets the other one. He's played. He's played every game, correct? He's maybe missed uh, one or two, but he's played basically just every a, game. Oh, just had game. a story, and I'm pretty sure he's played every single game. I'll tell um, you right now, and has been absolutely incredible. And right now. I we we hammered the Clippers a lot when they were in the mud after uh, the Harden trade. Right now, the Clippers are playing as well as any team in the NBA. Um, they have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now, nine straight games. I believe that's tied for the longest in the league this season. Uh, Kawhi has last, played every game, by the way. Has yeah, played he's played every game. Um, look, by the way, they he, are playing in Oklahoma City tonight. So just qualifier okay well, nine games going into oklahoma city and look if the if it ends on a back to if the winning streak yeah, ends the on thunder a back are favored back, by five and a half yeah. the, 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 the bunch of the clippers players are ill paul george missed the game i believe yeah. wednesday illness and look so. if the winning streak ends on a back-to-back -back against a really good oklahoma city team on the road 
that doesn't change anything I'm saying about how awesome Kawhi has been. Last night yep. was just a reminder, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. They uh, were down not, They were down by how many in the fourth? Uh, it was back and forth because they were up like 20-some-odd in the first half. And so the Mavericks, it was a seesaw game in the fourth quarter. The Mavericks made a huge comeback. Well, I know um, that but, Kawhi scored or assisted on 15 of the last 16 Clipper points. Absolutely incredible. And it's just... His numbers don't jump off the page like some other guys, averaging 24 and change, six rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting 52% from the floor. But man, he's just, he's he's not the best wing defender in the world anymore. He's still really good on that end. And he's still just a guy who, when he gets the ball and it's, you know, the, the game's in the balance, <laughs> you feel awfully good about your chances. I mean... There's a real fear factor with him still when he's playing like 100%, this. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, the fear factor is restored. Um, yes. And, and I, by the know, way, they like you said, they deserve credit for doing the things they frankly probably should have been doing from the beginning, but getting to it, getting the ball in James Harden's hands, mm-hmm. getting him away from playing with Russell Westbrook. Westbrook has been pretty good in his limited minutes off the bench, which is a role he can excel in. He's willing to do it, which it seems like for now he is. Harden is playing well with the ball and he's setting up PG and Kawhi for these shots and they're cooking and playing the way they need to play. And they were really good. The most competitive game with Dallas Wednesday night down the stretch. Harden just made the right plays down the stretch, got them that win with a couple of guys out on both sides. And they're the way, they're playing lights out and looking like a real threat. Amir Coffee turning into a bit of a defensive factor. And he yeah, was guarding Luca down the stretch. But speaking of defense on the Clippers, oh. quote. Ain't too many people defending better than me at this point, if we keeping it honest, said Russell Westbrook. Hmm. All right. Here's let's, some let's stats. Just, let's just hold on. I'm, go, give us the stats. stats, and I'm going to give you a, an eyeball test. Uh-oh. Russell Westbrook leads the NBA in both field goal percentage and effective field goal percentage allowed as a contesting defender among players to contest more than 175 shots. Ranks in the top 10 in points per direct touch allowed among players to defend a thousand touches. These are like high level analytics that they're yes, they are stats. And info is trying to lean into his statement ranks in the top 15, an effective field goal percentage defense allowed on half court matchups among players to defend hundred plus matchups. Now top 10 and top 15 in these obscure stats. I don't know if that means ain't too many people defending better, but you know, Russell Westbrook's uh, uh, case rests. And, you know, he feels like he should have been an all-defensive player before. I think that's absolutely ludicrous because there's been a, most of his career, he's been a defensive <laughs> liability because he was yes. out of position a lot because he was chasing steals and rebounds and not actually playing real defense. We can state that fact and give him credit for what he's doing now. And Luca had a long 30-point uh, streak in last night. He ended up with 28, but it was a tough 28. 28 on 9 and 25. Certainly the minutes that he's playing have been part of that. You can say, well, hey, the Clippers were dull on him constantly. Well, them and every other team that they play. It's not like that's mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. unique strategy. Uh, Russ took a couple stints on Luka. And I mean, it was like Pat Bev type of pick him up 94 feet, whether he's got the ball or not. You know, just crazy energy all up in his jersey. And Russ can come in knowing, hey, I'm not going to be playing. 25, 30, 35 minutes. Luke is going to be playing 43, 44 minutes. Russ has the luxury of being able to really just be relentless with his energy. But man, there were possessions where Luca didn't touch the ball because 
Russell Westbrook was just denying him with so much force and energy that it's just like, geez. And so like he did, he absolutely, especially in the first half was a big factor defensively. And look, I think we got to give Russ credit because we talked about this and they finally got to it. Harden and Russ really aren't a compatible duo and Harden's the clear cut better player at this point and, and the priority and the guy they brought in to try to, you know, get them over the hump, uh, running the show with, with, uh, Kawhi and Paul George. So that didn't leave a big role for us. And there was danger in that, in that, uh, you know, Hey, how's Russ going to react? Is he going to be grumpy? Is he going to be causing, you know, his problems? Is anybody going to call him a vampire? You know, there's all kinds of, uh, danger in that. I'm not around the Clippers on a regular basis. I wasn't in Dallas last night, but just watching the games, watching the energy that he's playing with, watching the energy that he has on the bench. You know, like Kawhi made this crazy Euro step in, in crunch time last night, and Russ is jumping up and down on the sidelines. He's doing the Euro step. He's giddy as could be. I think we've got to give Russ credit for accept not just accepting this role, but really kind of pouring himself into being a major contributor in a pretty small role. We'll see how Shea Gillis Alexander feels about that quote after reading that. Uh, yeah. He plays I mean, look, it. Russ, I think the biggest thing you could say about Russ is what you just did, that he's buying into this role and playing it well. I don't, I mean, the idea he's an all defense candidate is to me ludicrous, but eighth man he, of the year candidate for sure. <laughs> look, if he, if he's willing to play a hard 20 minutes off the game and fill in a role for them, he could be really effective and useful for them and help them with a lot of games. So, and, and, and you know what? How many times, and Russ has struggled with this, struggled with it, with the Lakers, certainly. How many times have we seen guys that are no-brainer Hall of Famers not be able to adapt to a smaller role yep. toward the end of their career, right? And I think it took it took a few teams and a, and a tough couple of years for Russ to get to this point. It took a really rough start for the Clippers to ask him, well, I guess it was Russ's idea, for, for the Clippers as a team to get this point. But I do think, but they as, got the there. Clippers are, as the Clippers are rolling, you know, you're going to, we're going to talk about the way Kawhi is playing. We're going to talk about the way that Harden's running the show. He's not their number one offensive option, but he's the guy who's distributing the touches. Paul, we're, like we're going to give a lot of credit to people. Russ deserves credit for being a, a, a contributor to all this, despite something that could have been a big blow to his ego. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. All right, we mentioned briefly uh, Durant um, getting votes. The Suns lost to Portland the other night to fall to I think fifteen and fourteen. Oof. It's been it's been easy to kind of put the Suns in a different category because they've been so banged up. But well, you'll get your chance, Bon Temps. Hold your breath. I just we've been doing Hold this since July. Hey, I just saw your mute button was on. Try it again. Fourteen and thirteen. <laughs> Uh, not 15 and 14. They've really lacked a, in my view, watching their last couple of games, they, they beat Washington two games ago and it was not an impressive victory. They hold your nose. It was, it was a squeaker. They, they did play well in the first half against Portland, which, you know, I guess was a good sign, but absolutely rolled over in the second half. And they just, you know, typically when you see a team lose a star player, even if over the medium term, they tend to struggle, you see a bounce. And I don't know if the Beal injury at being the third time he's gone down was deflating. I wonder about their chemistry. 
not be, not because they got issues with each other, but because their entire team is brand new. Like mm-hmm. the, nobody's played with each other before. And the minimum players that they signed, frankly, are playing like minimum players. You know, there are moments when Eric Gordon looks good. There, there have been moments where Josh Okoji, although he's been out recently, looks good. There's been moments, you know, Grayson Allen's not a minimum player, but, you know, he's uh, he's had moments. But, you know, this is a very new team and they have a new coach. And so I don't see a lot of cohesion togetherness fight from this team. Um, basically, it's Durant and Booker trying to do their Durant and Booker thing. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Frank Vogel is is asking for patience. He is saying this is the process. It's going to take some time. I believe it. This team reminds me. I've said it over and over. I'm going to keep saying it. It reminds me so much of the 2010 Heat. Their construction reminds me of the Heat. The the Heat's players were a lot younger, but um, that team was absolutely thrashing around in the pool for 20 games and their stars yeah. were all healthy in that case. And it really took a year for them to figure it out. So I'm, I'm taking a step back. I am a believer that this team is a real contender still, but I'm feeling alone in that. And I don't really have a lot of, I don't have a strong case to back it up, but trust me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who looks good in this Phoenix situation is Chris Paul because Monty Williams isn't acquitting himself well in Detroit. That team is is unacceptable for a team with, with that level of talent to lose 24 games in a row. They're by the way, fi- we're we're talking about this Thursday afternoon. Detroit is playing Utah the second night of a back to back with Larry Marketing not playing, with Jordan Clarkson not playing, Taylor Norton Tucker not playing. They better Deontay win that George game not Thursday playing. Night. Deontay George not playing. They the, better the win. The Pistons are actually favored. On only, a the third, only the third three. time this year. I've been just yeah. saying they better, um, they better win that game, and they ain't win it for a long time. Chris Paul's role on that team, even though he missed a bunch of time with injuries in recent years, it's looking better. And and I and I don't okay. We can't, don't, I'm not going to uh, sit here. Uh, hold on. The problem with saying Chris Paul's one coming out looking good in this when you're saying Monty Williams is struggling. Let me look at the what, standings. Uh, this is a very here. odd argument. What are we doing here? Yeah, let, just, me, let me look at the standings. Here's, here's who's looking good in this. Here. Me. Why? Because <laughs> I said the DeAndre Ayton trade was bad. And I said this team had a lot of injury-prone players who were going to miss a lot of games. And those two things have been true. I don't know what this Chris Paul thing is. Yeah, because I'm the Warriors saying, are a Chris spot Paul. below the Suns in the standings. So let's let he ain't smelling like Chris Paul is not looking very good shooting I'm, any jump shots, I, I, which listen, all of them are missing short. Y- yes. God forbid you guys allow nuance. These... Well, Chris I don't Paul's mean, are role, waiting to see what the nuance is leading Chris to. Chris Paul's role that he played on the Suns was pretty important, and that is being highlighted by the fact of the way the Suns are performing and the way. Well, yes, because the guy they nuance. traded him for is hurt all the time. That's the problem. Like, Chris yeah, it'd be nice, if, nice if they had an ambulatory point guard on their team. Yeah, Chris Paul is old on. So he ain't nuance. Um, listen, the problem with injury-prone players is they tend to get hurt a lot, and that's the <laughs> there that's we what's go. happening with the Suns. Bradley Beal has been hurt basically all season. They've played 24 minutes as a trio together. And it's not just that Bradley Beal hasn't been there. When Beal's not there, the workload on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for especially KD at his age with his injury history. But, you know, Booker's been banged up a lot this season, the last couple of seasons. And... Those guys, it's 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 like it was in the playoff series against the Nuggets after CP3 went out. If Booker and Durant aren't awesome, the Suns aren't very good. Like the, they can't though they can't afford those guys to have off nights. An off shooting night for Booker, they lose to freaking Portland. It's a struggle, man. 
And and you're right about the there you talk about zero continuity. And Booker, if anybody asked Booker about you're the only player left from the 2021 finals roster, he's been asked that a million times. You'll get an eye roll. But the fact that they've completely turned over the roster since then and basically since last year's trade deadline, continuity matters, man. It's t- And you see, like you saw the Wolves. It took a year for the Wolves kind of to, to get their feet under them after the Gobert trade and with some injuries and whatnot. It's it's just tough to make wholesale roster changes and, and hit the ground running. And I think they're dealing with that as well as the injury issues. Well, and, and Nurkic has just not been good. And, you know, they, they again, like you said, this team was built on three guys who get hurt a lot. I think Nurkic has done okay, but he hasn't he's been. been all right. He's been okay. Nurkic is a okay starting center. I would say he's below average starting center who's been below average. I think but, if you're ranking him by numbers, he's below average. And he's been below average. But, you know, again, like KD is, like you said, he's played a huge load in terms of minutes and, and role on this team. He's only missed a couple of games so far. Knock on wood, he stays healthy. But if he has to keep carrying this kind of load for a long time, he's probably going to end up missing some time. He's an older player. He's had a bunch of injuries. It's just the realistic reality at this point for him. And, you know, who knows when Bradley Beal's going to be back. It's just, you know, the, the all the problems that they potentially were going to have have all come to the fore in the first third of the season. And when you start missing games with injuries and having guys out, that's hard to, like, get that ship turned around at some point because there's all these ancillary impacts of that of guys having to play more minutes themselves and make up more for more stuff and then it just builds on it as it goes along and like McMahon said there's not a great history of these kind of moves resulting in immediate success and you're only compounding the chances of that outcome the negative outcome happening when you have so little time for these guys to be together on the court no matter when Beal's back at this point it's going to be pretty limited before the playoffs start basically Beal Beal and, and you know he told Spears in his landscape diary he hopes to be back for that two-week time or whatever. Let, let's say he's back start of January. There's been almost half the season gone. He's essentially missed half the season at that point because, like, he's barely played. The games he's playing, it's not like he's – He's barely played any, dating back to last midseason, quite frankly. It's not like he's been in any kind of rhythm. I don't well, look, know, even man. Durant and, even Durant and Booker have barely played together. Durant barely played last year before he got hurt, and – you know, obviously they played some in the playoffs and Durant and Booker have been out different games this year, even. So even those two guys don't have a ton of chemistry yet. <laughs> I, I don't think you can completely dismiss the Suns simply because they've got two of the top. We can argue the number, but it's a, not a very big number. For sure. Two of the top, what, dozen players in the league or whatever if you want. Healthy, if they're is. healthy come the start of the playoffs, they're going to be a feared team. Just like the Lakers were last year. Like the Lakers got some breaks in terms of guys getting hot, you know, Rui shooting the lights out. Right. But they had LeBron and AD healthy when the playoffs started. And if you have those two guys healthy, you get a little luck, you got a chance. And same right. with the Phoenix. If those guys are healthy in mid-April and they get a little luck, they'll be a threat. But they're not, it's it's just hard to look at them and say they're going to get to their optimal outcome. And it's also hard to look at it, frankly, and say they're going to be healthy. At this point, you have to just assume somebody's not even going to be out there. I mean, it's almost like Beal is a bonus star. Because that's like you can't count on them, but boy, whew, that's a big old contract for a. Well, we hope he can be around some. Well, I'll also was, tell you what. One thing that's been overlooked in the whole thing with Phoenix, they make these trades, they take on all this money, and what's the first thing they do? They dump Cameron Payne for nothing, save money. 
Yeah. Right. And listen, Cameron Payne is not a all world player by any means, but he's a perfectly adequate rotation guard who can come in off the bench and score. And when you look at this Phoenix team, you know, a lot of these games, especially early on when it was just Kevin Durant and a bunch of guys who really couldn't do anything with the ball and he was trying to carry him along, if they'd kept Cameron Payne around in his five or six million dollar, I think six million dollar contract for this year, mm-hmm. but he probably would have won them a couple games early I in the year. Know about, I don't know about that. Well, listen, well, they, the, point, the bottom line is, is they, they took on all this money and then they started cutting cutting costs to save money afterward and left themselves with even less uh, debt Wendy, than they already had. Wendy, he was a rotation player for them that they cut to save money. Uh, fine. They didn't cut, they, yeah. that they salary they, dumped to save money. That's fine. They, I, they're not in the... They're not in this position because they they cut can't they no but it but it reinforces the point that they you if you're going to go all in with these three guys who are injury prone if you're then going to turn around and cut some of the depth the limited depth you have has a chance of backfiring on you and and they gave up they gave up to Monty Kamara in the in the Aiton trade in the Aiton trade which was an offshoot of the uh, uh, Dame trade and you can say well no when they gave him up. They felt internally this guy could be a rotation player right away. And that was, they've yeah, talked he's about the sun, this. Sun, he's the Blazers starting center. You know, Chauncey Billups said the starting, other day. That, starting small, small forward. Yes. Small but forward. They, that was a painful um, thing for them to, to get squeezed on. Yes. Chauncey Billups was saying the other day they, when they were up there that um, cameras workout with them was not good. And so the individual workout when he came to Portland was not good. And they didn't draft him, obviously. And then they watched him in summer league, and they were like, "Wow, this guy can really play." And uh, and they were able to get him a couple of weeks. By the way, a a rookie who was a teammate of Anthony Edwards at University of Georgia, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you for doing the uh, straw poll, Bontemps. Always uh, enjoyable. Thank you, McMahon. For Are we not talking report. about Memphis? Oh, we're we just going to slip by well, that. We're, we're at the end of the road here. Um, I'll ask real quick. Uh, Brian has Brian has more important plans. Clearly, McMahon. No, I don't. Yeah. I just you know, I I just don't want the pod to go on too long. Yeah, McMahon. Well, I, I don't know what, what the what the vibe is like in uh, in Memphis tonight because it hasn't happened yet. But um, certainly, it was interesting game to be at. One of the more interesting games of the season to be at the other night in uh, in New Orleans. What what was that moment like? You know, I mean. No, Jaws keeping receipts, as he says, and all that kind of stuff. He ain't going to find one that's questioned how good he is at basketball. Of course not. And and this was, it was just a, it was a reminder. It wasn't a revelation and it's not redemption, but it is a reminder that John Morant is an absolute franchise altering type of talent. And I mean, you talk about the athleticism, the skill, the cojones, like you could not imagine a better delayed season debut than, and, and they hope they hope what is symbiosis symbolic, whatever the word is, (laughs) they they hope that it's symbolic of their season, a terrible start. And you storm back and celebrate at the end. They were down 24 points in the second quarter. The Pelicans went on a 28 2 run down 19 at the half. And then third quarter, jaw took over fourth quarter. And jaws over there. Like, you know, He's been scrimmaging and practicing, but like you can't simulate NBA game action. He's going into the tunnel during timeouts and between quarters and and hitting his inhaler. Like his lungs were burning. You know, he talked about at the end of the game. He thought his calves are cramping. He's over there using the massage gun on his calves just before his game winner. But with with all that, 
He's got Herb Jones defending him, one of the best defenders in the league, and Ja absolutely lit him on fire. And it was just Ja Morant doing what he does best, and that is attacking off the dribble, getting in the paint, wreaking havoc, uh, dominating. Spin last, the spin move down the, the, for the final shot. That was yeah. And they did, they spaced the floor. And like, if you throw a double at him, the man's a great passer too. And especially in the middle of the floor, their spacing was right. You know, somebody's going to get a wide open look if you throw, if you throw a second fender at him and just comes right at him with a runway, spin move in the lane, little, little layup. You know, again, nobody's ever questioned whether this guy is an incredible talent. And it was a a reminder that yeah, he's, well, look, let it, he's you know, type of talent. After what he's been through, he can have his moment. He can beat his for chest sure. a little bit. That's that's great. I mean, that's why John Moran is great for the league is that. But obviously, that's not what that's not what's in question. I think. I yeah, think and 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 up. he has at least said the right things about understanding he's going to be judged based on actions off the floor. Whatever he's on the floor now, he's going to have to be phenomenal and stay healthy for the rest of the season for the Grizzlies to have any hope of salvaging this thing after a six and 19 start. But you talk about a franchise that desperately needed something to be excited about. He's given them something to be excited about. And I'm sure this place is going to be absolutely bonkers tonight. Actions over words. Let's see. Let's see how the next few months go. And hopefully we're just talking about John Morant's exploits on the court. All right. We'll see how, uh, how it goes tonight there in Memphis. Thank you, Mr. McMahon. Enjoy your evening. Thank you, Mr. Bontemps. Enjoy your time there in Orlando. Thank you for listening. Who? Oh, we have a new producer on today. Obviously, Ooh. Jackson's holding down the fort. Our new producer, Sean. Great to have you on board. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. We will talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. 